This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. listening to In a City Like Yours, a semi-monthly podcast featuring interesting people with interesting life stories. This podcast may contain language and or subject matter not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I'm your host, Michael G. Moore. Please visit our website at inacitylikeyours.com. That's I-N-A-C-I-T-Y-L-I-K-E-Y-O-U-R-S dot C-O-M. For links to our social media, all popular podcast platforms, and links of interest pertaining to all episodes. On this episode, I chat with Tom, who is an artist from Louisiana. When a teenager, he realized his hometown was not big enough to facilitate his dreams. In his 20s, he moved to a larger city in the Pacific Northwest, where he experienced some success. Eventually, home called him back, and he discovered his hometown is where he belongs. Here is Tom's story. Hiya, I'm Tom Johnson. I'm an artist uh, that lives in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, this is my story of the artist's journey from living in Louisiana and uh, moving around a little bit to try to find myself and uh, coming back to uh, Louisiana and realizing that this is where I need to be. As not just an artist, but as a uh, as a human. I grew up here in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, I was born in Kansas, uh, and I <laughs> say this all the time, and people still laugh at me. I'm the biggest baby ever born in Grant County, Kansas, and uh, I carry it as a badge of honor. But at the same time, I don't even know if I really am. I was at that time. Uh, and it's just something kind of fun to bring up. And also, it kind of actually sets some of the tone of my entire life, I guess. I moved here to Shreveport after I was about five years old. Um, my father is a minister and, uh, just, uh, we came here from Oklahoma, actually, where my family is from. And, um, we just settled in and, there was always this fear actually growing up when we were here, just as a child, I remember that, um, Shreveport, we wouldn't stay in Shreveport. Uh, I don't know if people know a lot about preachers and ministers, but a lot of times, um, they don't stick around in churches very long. They move a lot. So that was kind of always in the back of my head. And at first I didn't really ever think I was going to, and again, I was five years old. So context is everything, right? But by the time I kind of uh, started thinking about it, I didn't know if I even liked Louisiana. When I could realize some of the things around it, I didn't know if I liked Louisiana. I didn't know if I thought Shreveport was cool or not. I was a weirdo kid. I, I liked skateboards and rock music that, you know, with funny punk rock sounding names. And I didn't really fit in here uh, in high school and I mean, I did. I had great friends, and I don't mean to sound totally poo-pooing on it, but it was a really weird upbringing. And so thinking about Shreveport in that way to me was always, as a kid, was getting away from here. And that carried on even later on when um, I did start artistic endeavors. Um, you know, not to labor on that so much as to get into some of the other uh, the good stuff, I guess. Starting around, um, 1990-ish, uh, in Shreveport, um, there was actually a really cool, uh, music scene. And there always had been. And something that I started to realize is there always were these 
as you get older, you go, oh, the, those guys came from Shreveport or this guy played in Shreveport way back here or, or this happened in Shreveport or this guy was from Shreveport or this, this wonderful woman was from Shreveport, et cetera, et cetera. And so you always heard about these things, but it wasn't, you know, as again, as these weirdo kids, uh, that me and my friends were, we wanted to have a piece of that, I guess. And so we all started bands and, punk rock, alternative rock bands, and um, uh, it all centered around, at that time, and again, this is 91 to probably 95 or 96, this all centered around uh, Centenary's college radio station, KSCL, and um, this place called Jeff's Building, and Jeff's Building was a, uh, it's, it's where Bears is now in Shreveport, but it was the back of bears actually. And it was where this guy, Jeff White, cool dude. He played in all these bands when we were younger that we were kind of looking up to, uh, local rock bands here. And, um, his mother had a shop there and a framing shop. And so Jeff's band, um, later on when I got to know him better, was called Me and the Herdzigs with some of his friends. Charles Moser was one of those guys too. And, so we just started rehearsing our band, my band Tank Farm, started um, rehearsing with them there at, at Jeff's building. And so this thing developed called Rancid Cat, which was the silly thing that one of my longtime collaborators drew a picture of one time. And I'll talk about him in a minute more. But um, he drew this picture one time of this crazy looking cat and and it was really gross, but for kids, it was cool. And we did a logo for it. And we started through some people that were running the radio station at that time. We started booking bands uh, from all over the country. And this is the, around that time again when Nirvana is coming up. And it's bef right before the Internet, but right when communication is starting to get a little bit easier. And um, we were pulling all these bands from all over the country and in fact um, uh, my wife or my girlfriend at the time had started making a list of them all and we had we had we actually had done 88 shows here through that period of time and some of them were pretty big bands and so our culture of our friends was all revolving around this uh, the radio station and there were some other places we were putting shows on um, and the art side of this was kind of a secondary thing. Um, my friend Ben Moss, and again, I'm, I'm going to talk about him a lot because he's, again, one of my main collaborators in all of this, um, was drawing these posters for it. And Ben was playing in these bands, and Ben's bands were big, and the other friends of ours had these things. And we all thought, hey, this is going to happen, and Shreveport's going to look really cool, and all these bands are going to come from here. And, you know, and again, there was a lineage of it. Uh, I won't, I don't just want to name a bunch of names, but there was a big, there was an alternative scene here of some sort. So as time went on though, and personalities started to clash and I'm, we're, we're all humans and we get mad and things look weird and it just kind of sputtered out. Um, and it changed when new people came in and they took it over and it went to a different way. And so I was kind of dissatisfied with all of this stuff and, we all attended college uh, around here locally, or not all of us, but a lot of us did. And so our main focus was that scene and then trying to go to college. Well, how I finally made this transition to leave Shreveport, because again, I feel I'll get back into this idea of young artists trying to get out of here um, and the brain drain and culture drain that happens in this region. Um, but the I was looking through these notebooks that I had been working in and from college and I was taking history classes and you know and I was studying a lot, but I also started noticing how I had had all these little drawings and doodles and I was always really, you know, envious and admirable of my friend Ben Moss who was always drawing. So and I kind of started, well I can do this too. And so I started to put some focus into it. 
I started, and I'd always drawn as a kid. That was one of the things my mom would give to me. Here, hey, you're not bored here. Take this and go draw, go do something. So, and I always, it was appealing to me, but I don't think I practiced art as a, you know, other than maybe some music and stuff and just sketches and doodles as anything that I could possibly do. But somehow I just got this bug from it. Um, again, I wasn't playing it. We had, my bands had dissolved and I went, went through several different lineups and different bands and everybody was doing that, but I just had gotten kind of tired of that. And so another friend of mine had moved to Seattle and Again, this is that time when grunge is just really, or right, maybe right after. Um, this would have been when I moved there. It was in 2000. But Seattle was still this, you know, hey, this really cool place, all this music's going on, all this art's going on. And so we went and visited my, my girlfriend at the time. Um, and I went and visited our friends up there and, we just fell in love. And so this idea of always getting out of Shreveport or always thinking about Shreveport is this place that is just something to get away from. There were here, here's some friends, here's a connection, here's a network, and, and I can I can go do this. And so I was working for a big company at that time as well. And so they I was gonna try to transfer up there with them to try to start doing these things. And it just didn't work out. I ended up going to art school, which was my biggest plan anyway, and just kind of struggling a while. Um, I finished that, started trying to get into the scene, and I met a lot of cool people. Um, some other friends of ours from Shreveport moved out there, and it kind of became a little community of us that had all moved there. And at the same time, my artistic endeavors started getting bigger and bigger, and I started painting a lot and um, right out of school I was illustrating for some magazines and I was doing CD covers and album covers and band posters for shows of these people that I was meeting and hanging out with and I, I, again I was doing some magazine illustration but nothing nothing that was like paying my bills but I had been painting so I put all these this art together and I put a show together and got it out there and promoted it and it just blew up on me and I had did really well with it considering I mean obviously everything's subjective for me it was really well and um and so I got okay wow this is great look I can do this here and so I started uh wholeheartedly just saying trying to be a professional artist at that time and it's a difficult road that I tell, I, I tell people and my students now, um, and, and kids that I try to help and mentor, uh, it is a difficult road and it can beat you up. And I was in the place that even though I was having these shows and I, I, I was, I was doing, I was doing things. I was commun I was creating and I was having art shows and I was selling art even. But it was an ebb and flow cycle. And so, it, and, and I'm typically, it's, it's also difficult for a lot of people to, and even especially me, the, the way I work and how I, how I do work with my art. Um, but I finally got to a point in Seattle after about a decade, uh, and, and some family things were going on back here and I'd been gone for a long time and I just felt like, okay, I did it here for a while. I'm not completely uh, sold on if this is the lifestyle I really want, um, even though I love Seattle and the Pacific Northwest is just gorgeous. And I highly recommend everybody go there and visit at some point. But um, I got the bug to come back home and just see what was going on. Um, this was after Katrina. And so there was a lot of filmmaking going on. And my mother who was one of the um, catalysts for me to come back, uh, I was talking about, oh, they're filming all these things. There's all this animation going on there. I'd studied animation and actually have done some animation. Um, 
And so to kind of sidetrack for a second, that experience I got in Seattle, some, some things I wanted to touch on with that, uh, the experience I got in Seattle was working with this animator named Bruce Bickford for a little bit and, and just a little bit, but it was enough of an experience to make me realize a lot of stuff. He is a stop motion animator. Um, his work is very eclectic and it's very um, personal. And he had done some things that he had gotten some notoriety. Uh, he had done some videos for Frank Zappa. And so he was, you know, he had, he had the means to continue to do his work. And so I got to work with him. And so I learned a lot about modeling and, and, and things and animation, even though I, I did study that, uh, in school. But the next thing that was really the transition as far as where I'm at with a lot of my work right now was I started working with this guy named Keith Lovick in Seattle. And he is a puppet master uh, builder. And um, he had a studio called Lovick's Puppets. And there was a moment where I was just in a place I needed to make some money. And so I was graciously allowed to go work with him. And uh, that experience was how I started really getting into form of and models of of in 3D kind of work and sculpture work. So, anywho, I, I wanted to make sure that that context was there because when I got back to Shreveport, so I move, I get, I get my stuff. We move, I, I move, I take a couple of pit stops before I get back there, but I come back to Shreveport, and um, I'm kind of at a loss to for exactly what I'm going to do, and I. I take a couple of jobs here, but I had learned some screen printing as well. And this is, this is, I'm saying all these things because it'll eventually make sense because I was doing screen printing as well with a friend in Seattle. And so I got here and I was just like, okay, I've got to make some money. I've got to make this art adventure pay off and, and be back in Shreveport and, um, and the doom of that, but at the same time, the relief of being home and in something familiar. But I started trying to figure out a way to do some t-shirts, to print some t-shirts around here because like I said, I needed some money. Um, I thought about some ideas of local things in Shreveport. And I used to live on this street, uh, Egan Street over in Highland. And I've lived in Highland every, Ever since I could live on my own, uh, besides in Seattle, I've lived in Highland neighborhoods. And so um, there's this classic street sign that I lived by as a as a young person, and it's the Highland Stoner uh, intersection. And, you know, we're kids. It's, it's funny for a lot of people. It's interesting for a lot of people. So when I got back here, I, I took a photo of it, and um, I said, hey, I'm going to print these on T-shirts and go walk around town and sell them and just see if I could help make some money with some, you know, some design work and some art. And so I I started um, printing them. And um, Ben Moss helped me out with some of the design stuff, and he's total pro. Um, and I met another guy named Michael Shane McCartney, and he's... Uh, the, he's kind of the driving force in some of the screen printing stuff that Studio Highland did, which is the name of my studio. Um, and that was how I got going in art again in Shreveport, uh, was these t-shirts that we were printing out of this house that we lived in on Prospect. And it's at that same time, that all this is kind of happening. And this is around 2000 or, uh, excuse me, 2010. Um, and my friend and comrade from the earlier days of the rancid cat, Jeff's building days, uh, happens to be showing up and moving back into Shreveport at the same time. And Ben Moss is this guy. So we start, you know, 
commiserating and going, God, oh, we're back in Shreveport. I can't believe I'm back in Shreveport. Oh, it's okay. You know, look at the scene that's going on. There's all these cool things happening. And, and there was, there was a buzz here around that time. Um, Moonbot Studios was starting up and some other things. Uh, David Nelson was back in town, I believe at that time and doing the mini cine stuff. Um, and some other things as well. And so, you know, it was exciting. We was like, okay, well, let's, let's think about, um, doing something here. And so we started talking about doing a studio and we both, and, and I, I've always had this idea about some of my work as being just being a collaborative effort to begin with. Um, but Ben and I started talking about not just designing stuff and we called this studio Owl Strategies. And, um, it was on this, that house on Pinehurst. And so we were doing this with this idea that we're going to just create all this. We're going to take Streetport over, um, with this stuff again and, you know, high minded things and not too much based in reality yet. But, um, we did. We just started creating things. And so we started painting, um, I did, and Ben obviously always has been doing his thing. Um, I started building some stop motion puppets. Um, we wrote some scripts for some animated stuff and just some wacky stuff. Uh, and again, we, we, we started putting on shows here. And so Ben, you know, was starting to get connected with some of the local groups of artists and art uh, groups here. And so we had a, a couple little showings. Uh, here and there and it just started working again and so it was a cool thing and I, I felt glad to be back in Shreveport for a little bit and it was a it was a, it was a challenge but at the same time it felt um it felt kind of cool uh and I started to see everything differently and it wasn't just because I, part of it's just maturity and getting older but part of it's having the experience of having to being in a really, you know, big place, big town and trying to associate and uh, acclimate to that. And then coming home and then just feeling comfortable. And obviously you also dig up some old bones as well. And so it was, then it, then it turned into a, just a, a, an exploration again of my hometown. And, I started to kind of fall in love with it. And at the same time, I disappointed in some of the things as well. And that's part of the bigger picture of it all. But I realized that, especially with the way the world was working and how communication has changed, that um, I could be in Shreveport and still be connected to all these other things and these scenes that I wanted to be a part of and understand and it was just kind of liberating in a way. Um, there's a lot of good things about being an artist in a smaller town. Um, especially when you have a good community of friends and people who are into it. So I, I started to change my attitude about what it was that in the reason I was doing all these things to begin with. Why am I an artist? Uh, why do I want to create? Why do I want to try to send messages and give people things and ideas and what what is it and why is that important to me oh hey i didn't see you there i'm swanson host of the tv tuners podcast every week on tv tuners me and my co-host keo rain swanson i need water and stairmaster <coughs> review the latest in tv and discuss news trailers and even find time to play some fun games Right now, we're working overtime to cram as much TV knowledge into our brains as possible. Isn't that right, guys? We've been here for 24 hours. We need to get out of here. Not until you answer who Norm is. He's Fraser's brother. Wrong. You get the shock. Check out TV Tales, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or any of the podcatchers of your choice. You know... It just, I changed. I had, I had realized I had grown and, and had changed. And so I genuinely thought that, okay, let's, 
let's get serious about this. And so I started to think about how we could do some big, bigger ideas. And so the first thing we did, how can we monetize some of these ideas that we want so we can keep making bigger and bigger ideas as well? That was the T-shirts. And so another friend of ours uh, by the name of Miriam Martin, who was a uh, glassblower, screen printer in New Orleans for us, she's just awesome badass artist uh also happened to kind of relocate around streetboard around this time and so she came and helped us really finally like figure out some of the technical aspects of screen printing that we were kind of missing and she also just threw in with us on some bigger projects that we were doing and we were doing all this on a a bunch of handmade stuff and um you know taking orders for 500 t-shirts and having one machine to use to print these and, you know, just some crazy ideas about it, but just trying to, you know, support ourselves as artists and, and at the same time build a bigger thing. So eventually with the screen printing stuff, um, we got a Michael Shane and I got a pretty big, and, and there's another guy that was helping us out. We've had a lot of patrons actually, um, uh, in fact, uh, some, that's how artists survive sometimes is on patients, but we've had a lot of people that have helped us out. So we ended up buying a, a real screen press, um, a carousel press and trying to really take it seriously with the screen printing. And so we got a bunch of other stuff and, um, tried to take it serious. And, and we started calling it Studio Highland because that's where we were at on Pinehurst, but also because it just, you know, it was simple, but also it was a neighborhood that we all lived in. All our friends, you know, that was kind of the thing in in Shreveport when you were, again, a weirdo kid, a a little different outside of the norm, um, you would kind of migrate to Highland, no matter where you were from in the city, Shreveport or Bossier. So, that was, we just started calling it that. And, you know, it got to this point where we were calling our friends, Hey, you got any designs or Hey, um, can you help out? We got a big order. And so it just kind of grew from that. That's one of the things that started my adventures here and with Studio Highland. Um, and so. A few things were going on. Uh, we were doing, Ben and Ben had designed a spaceship for this program that was going on for a filming because again, filming was real big here. And so we built it out of Studio Highland. Ben, we, we said, Hey, here's this project for Studio Highland. So we built this crazy big spaceship. It was really cool. Um, and so then, you know, we're, Oh, well, t-shirts, we're printing t-shirts. And then the, this one, young woman approached us about um and how this happened i don't even know uh but southfield school here in shreveport um has a cool theater department for their kids and the the young woman that was there and i believe her name's courtney um loggins i think at the time was who she what's her name was she uh needed a backdrop painted and so another friend of mine got the gig to paint this backdrop for him. Well, she mentioned that we were, we did stuff in this, in Studio Highland. And so the next thing I know, I'm building a, uh, alligator costume for them. And it was just because I knew the, how to make a form, uh, from working at Lovick's Puppets. And so I just like, oh, this is cool. And, um, it actually turned out pretty cool. And so I kind of got, Hmm, there's, that's an interesting thing. Um, maybe I could think of this as something to do. And so the next year, uh, they had an, or not even the next year, not too long after they had another production. And so I built another costume for them. And then I'm painting, I'm doing the other art, but this is starting to pick up for me. Um, and so eventually, I was starting to do some filmmaking, um, with some of my friends. Um, and I would learned a lot. I, I worked with this guy, Casey Hobbick, who was, uh, 
a filmmaker here or a photographer here for a while. And so I was, he was hanging out with us and we decided we were going to do a film for film prize, uh, here, this, the competition in Shreveport for the, for the short movies and, you know, the big, you know, pretty big deal now. Um, and so we thought, well, this will be a cool way to really promote Studio Highland and we can take all these skills of all of us together, you know, our design skills, our, our, our prop building skills, our filmmaking skills, you know, and, and then now we realize, well, we're not really screen printing anymore. And so, um, and so that's how we started thinking about this puppet. So we did this film prize, uh, film and we built this, a puppet to put, or like a body puppet. Um, and that was going to be our main character. And we went around town filming it. It was lots of fun. We all bonded over it. Um, uh, we got it. We started working on it and we decided to do some digital effects and it was really taxing on us, uh, to do all these digital effects that we wanted for it. But, and then we didn't make the cut, uh, for the film prize. And so it was just this huge, you know, emotional buildup and then big letdown. And, you know, it's fine. And we, we, we kind of, we all moped and cried for a while, but, we got over it and we realized that regardless, we had still done something that was really, really cool. Uh, just going through the experience of doing it. And so we had put all these people together to do this project. And, and that was, but then we didn't make it and then we didn't have anything to do. And so it was just like, uh, uh and I know a lot of artists do, have this experience and this emotional experience of you, you work on something really hard for a really long time. And then when it's done, it's, it's like a, a big depression, right? It's a big deal. And, uh, it, you know, you can, part of that idea of ebb and flow, it can really mess with your mind. Um, and su successful artists and successful people, uh, realize how to deal with it and they have skills to deal with that. But it's, it's a true thing. It, it does happen. So instead of moping around too much, um, I just took out my sketchbook again and I started writing down ideas and sketching these things. And I remember how, um, and, and again, let me, I'll say this and then I'll finish this off. So, Studio Highland is just this big collective. People ask me this all the time. Um, what's Studio Highland? How's, what's, how did Studio, what's Studio Highland? And, and it's cool and I dig it, but it's hard to describe sometimes because what it, it's just a collective of our friends. Um, you know, and I've just mentioned, so we've done all sorts of wacky stuff, but it's usually just, you know, who wants to participate and you participate and we, somebody comes up with an idea and, you know, as the main, I, I do admit I'm the main instigator of it, but it's, it's also all these other people and I'm, a, I, there's, and I'll name a few off obviously as I'm talking, but, um, there's so many as I, I'm ashamed to try to name everybody that's helped and contributed to Studio Highland sometimes because I know I'm going to forget somebody and they're going to get upset about it, but, it's just a big collective in Shreveport that wants to make Shreveport a cool place. Um, you know, we want Shreveport to be successful for artists and we want Shreveport to be successful for the people around in this community. And, and we not just for our own sake and, and for, but for the community as a whole. Um, that goal is what Studio Highland really is. And that's to get a place here that helps us the city be creative and and inspires uh, you know not just uh building the city up but uh you know positive ideas and compassion about our city and so that's that's the big picture of it um and in that regard uh in that i bigger concept what what the hidden claw is is one of the projects that we work inside of 
of Studio Highlands. And that's spelled T-H-E-E, Hidden Claw, (laughs) for silly reasons. But what it is, is I I was sitting here one night again after the film prize uh, let down. We started to reassess what we were going to do. We had kind of given up on the screen printing because it was just, we were just changing and doing other things. Um, and Michael Shane had kind of had to got his career serious. So the hidden claw comes up and I'm, I'm just sitting here one night sketching and trying to think, okay, what, what are we going to do next? And And I tell people this all the time because they think it's just something I really thought about, but it just popped in my head. It's generally, uh, literally just, I wrote it, popped in my head, wrote it down, didn't think about it too much. I actually took a picture of the, I did a little sketch with it, and I took a picture of it, and I sent it to all the collaborators that was working with the studio right then, and I said, this is what we're doing next. And I it didn't mean anything at all to any of them. Everybody's like, okay, whatever. Um, but that's how this thing started uh, with the Hidden Claw. And the Hidden Claw is just a bunch of crazy puppets in, in a puppet theater. Um, and it's kind of based on a lot of fantasy and science fiction stuff. And it's just, a, you know, some... You know, some magic and some witchcraft and, and it's just a fun thing to do with my friends. Um, it's silly, but at the same time, it's artistically challenging. Um, it has definitely grown into something that bigger than I really thought it would. Uh, and I, re- I honestly didn't think we'd ever, I thought we'd do the, we did a show, uh, of the, Hidden Claw at the Agora Borealis uh, for um, Katie and Mandy over there for uh, what was it that we did that for? I think it was an art walk. Um, I, I I love Katie Larson and, and Mandy Evarb, and so I always collaborate with them too. They're de facto members of our studio, um, and so. We put this puppet show together, never thinking we'd do it again. It was just some weird thing that we started working on. Um, the next thing I know, we had so much fun, we're thinking about doing it again. I didn't think, again, I, my, my biggest challenge to doing the Hidden Claw stuff is because I always want to do something else. And I'm always looking for another project. And so... It was kind of weird to come back to it at some point for one reason, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's just really cool and fun. Um, it's about a bunch of puppets that are caught in dimensions and different weird dimensions and planets and, uh, planes of existence. <laughs> and it's led by this guy named Aloysius, who is this mage magic user um he finds these uh silly demi uh elements uh elementals is kind of what we based them off of and he leads them around with these little horned single or furry uh single to three-eyed monsters little bitty monsters that we call meeps that uh all just travel around the galaxy. And what's kind of fun is we'll sit around the studio sometimes and there's always a puppet laying around and somebody will pick it up and just do something hilarious for with it. And we'll write it down and we'll try to remember, but there's these moments that we, we use these puppets for things. It just makes you just laugh out loud. And there's something about them that just makes you, you know, it's, and it's a weird thing. Because there's also <laughs> there's also people who are petrified of them. So I teach high school uh, to kids. I teach filmmaking and or what we call digital media and digital media arts to uh, kids here in, in Caddo Parish at uh, Caddo Career and Technology Center. 
And so I, I teach out there. And so I'll bring the puppets in there sometimes. <laughs> and it, the reaction I get from kids is just, I mean, it makes it worth it. That's really what it is. It makes it worth it to see some kids just cringe in terror and other kids just want to hug it and, uh, you know, take it off and go play, uh, with it themselves. So it's, it's a really neat thing. And there's something about puppets. Um, there's something has, there's something about it. I don't quite understand it. I've, you know, I've studied the history of puppets now. You know, Jim, I think everybody of our generation has pretty been pretty much inspired by Jim Henson in some way, shape or form in the Muppets. And I know it definitely affected me as a kid. Um, but there is something about them that's like beyond that. Um, some of the history on it, you know, puppets, they, they think puppets go back before any other art form, even, uh, as far as theater. Um, they are utilities to express a different side of ourselves. Um, they are friendly and scary. Um, they can help us show our emotions when at the same time, um, you know, make us laugh, uh, make us cry that, that whole, the whole, uh, spectrum of emotion. And it's all through this thing that you put on your hand. No, not always. And there's some deep art form to some of the puppet shows. If, if I, I challenge anybody to, who thinks there's not an art form to it to just go do a little research. Um, there's, uh, Chinese and Japanese puppetry that is just, I mean, it, it'll, it's amazing. Um, there's marionette puppetry that is so lifelike, uh, and the creatures look so animated that, you know, if, if you write, you can hide the strings and you, it's becomes real. Um, and so there's something about it. Now, here's the, here's the conundrum I have with all my art. I don't, Ever, and this is, I know this, and there's going to be art teachers that are going to hear this, or people who are professional artists are going to hear this, and they're going to say, oh no, you can't do that. I've never wanted to do just one thing. And I've never wanted to be, uh, pinned down to one style or one medium or one thing that said, oh, this is Tom Johnson. And, and even to this, to this idea of puppets, because I tell people this all the time. Um, I didn't choose the puppet life. The puppet life chose me because I honestly don't know. Um, you know, if, if we're going to do this show and it's going to be lots of fun and we'll probably do other The Hidden Claws stuff again. I, I know we will. Um, but, uh, it's definitely a, a piece of me, but I don't know if it's one of those things that can carry on. We'll see. We'll see. I, I would love it if, uh, 10 years from now, I'm still doing this and, and maybe it's become successful enough to really make it worthwhile. But, um, for now it's one of the funnest things I can do. And it's also provides me with enough artistic output that I feel very, um, satisfied and accomplished with right now. Have you filmed any of your shows? Is that the only way to see them is, is to see it live or do you have, uh, yeah, on our, so if you go to our website, um, uh, studiohighland.com, you can, um, follow the links to our YouTube channel. And we have a, we have a few things we've put up. Uh, we did a music video for a friend of mine's band not too long ago with the, with the Hidden Claw Puppets. Uh, we did a little promo video for a local record store here just for the fun of it. Um, we recorded the last show we did at the Agora Borealis, um, but it's edited kind of weird, but it's cool. I mean, it's totally fun. We watched it the other day here at the studio and <laughs> with a bunch of the guys and we we're like, oh, I didn't think I was, I didn't cringe as hard as I thought I would <laughs> because it is really fun. <laughs> so, but yeah, you can see the work uh, out on the internet for sure. Well, during all this, you had a family, didn't you? No, I, I do not have a family. Thank oh, okay. you. I'm uh, sorry. I thought you did. No, okay. no. Well, I do have a family. It's studio. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, <laughs> no, I, no, I don't have a family. I, that's a interesting story. In fact, um, 
I did get married to one of my sweethearts. Um, we didn't work out. And so one of the idea, uh, one of one thing that affected me on not, not to get too personal, but one of the things that affected me about some of the work I did do now is that, and I, and I, I don't have any negative things to say other than, and maybe this is the bigger picture about being an artist or the artist that who Tom Johnson is anyway, who I am. Um, I don't think that everyone's meant to be able to work in those kind of situations. I, the way I work in my art, um, is sometimes annoying to people. And I get that. Um, because I can, I can go days where all I do is just sit at my easel or sit at my table. Um, and from sun up to sundown, I'm just focused. And then I can go days where I do the opposite. And, you know, when I, I have a job now, obviously, I, I, obviously I teach and I, I love teaching. Um, and that breaks up that part of it for me. But, um, being an artist, and this is the advice I give a lot of the, the kids that I teach and, and that come here to, to, work with us for us to mentor is that um it's a tough road it's it's not easy to try to make a professional living at it um some people are lucky and some people are uh supported enough financially through family and backing that they can live the lifestyle but most artists have to have a job right and so you have to have a job to help you buy the materials to create the art that you want to make. And so you're alive. And if you're dedicated to being an artist, and that is who you are, and it's not just a, and I will get into like semantics of the, what artist is, but, um, because I truly believe everybody's an artist. That's just a whole nother thing, but, um, it is a tough road for some people. Um, and it can affect your relationships, not just with the people that you, uh, your, your family, you know. I was very fortunate with my mom and dad and my family that they were, they always said, hey, do what you want to do. Um, make sure you can support yourself, but do what you're going to do. Um, and I know a lot of kids that don't get that. And so that affects how they relate to their artwork. Um, but it can be trying on, on an artist emotionally, financially. Um, and one of the things that I see in our society right now is that all these kids that consider, and, and maybe it's a good thing. I, I know it's a good thing. I, I feel like creativity and trying to be a creative person unleashes, uh, amazing things into the world. And I think that's a, a something everybody should try to experience. Uh, so all these things are balanced, you know, it's, and it's hard to make any axiom about it because then you think, oh, well, what about this? But I don't know if our society can handle the amount of artists that are trying to be professionals. Mm, there it is. Because there, even though there's all these economic indicators of how much the arts affect communities and they do. Um, and the outlets, the mediums for our artwork are beyond imagination. They were, than they were 20 years ago. I mean, Instagram alone has created, uh, many, uh, artists. Uh, so the internet has definitely facilitated this, uh, this, this, these, Outreach to to have a, an ability to put your work into the world, right? Um, and these are all great things, but they also create this idea in some people's heads that that's all they need to do. Um, post, make sure you get a post to Instagram. Oh, make sure you get your Facebook up, or make sure you put this on Reddit or whatever it is, you know, um, whatever you're using as your social media, or and and I don't know if that's a good thing. Uh, because 
um, you still have to do the work. You still have to make the things that you want to make that, that being an artist requires. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It's, it, I can babble on and on about this. I, I get to the, I, I, I'm working on some advanced degrees. And so I've been writing some stuff about this concept of what art is in our world now. And uh, the, there is just, it's just so many things. There's so many distractions. There's so many people creating. And as the same time, that's so fantastic and wonderful that there's all these things. It's also overwhelming and distracting. And it's very hard to discern what is really valuable in our world uh, when it comes to creative artistic endeavors. And so one of the, and this comes back to this idea that I have about what artists and um, young people should really be doing. And that is, so for example, in the bigger picture here, I moved away, had some great experiences, learned a lot, um, brought all that back with me here to Shreveport because I've you know, again, the circumstance or whatever, but now I realize, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I believe in fate. I believe in this idea of, of us falling where we're supposed to be. And so I also know that if we encourage places like Shreveport to welcome young artists, you know, I, th I, I truly think every kid that lives in a small town or a small city should go leave, explore this world, but then think about coming back to your hometown and your home community and bringing that idea back with you that you got out in the world um, because we need it. Um, we need to have real world artifacts that are being created in real places and having an art show instead of having an Instagram show, you know, things like that. I know that sounds weird, but a lot of people, that's, that's all they're relying on. Um, they go move away. I have a friend, he's in New York and he sends, he takes these great pictures of all these things, but he's not doing any work. Um, you know, uh, and he's, and, and again, I don't, I don't want anybody to think I'm saying don't, Go leave. But I also think the new movement needs to be, especially from us, Generation X, and, uh, and I hate that, by the way. <laughs> I hate those, all those terms, uh, marketing terms for my generation. Uh, for, for my age group now as middle age to come back and try to make the city that I left more attractive to the kids so that when they go out in their exploration of themselves and their artistic ideas, that they come back here and infect us with it and build Shreveport up into this place where um, you might want to leave from, but you want to come back to as an artist. <laughs>